The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and WadenaRadio.com. This is The Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, February 14th. It's Valentine's Day. It's Ash Wednesday. Corey, do we have another holiday we need to throw on top of this? Yes, it is. Oh, gosh, what was one of them I saw today? You know, it's something you definitely need to be celebrating. That much I know. Yeah. There's some kind of holy day of obligation or something in there that you got to get taken care of. But thank you for listening to us. It might even be an unholy. It might even be an unholy day of obligation. Either way, it's there to be celebrated responsibly. Did you participate in Fat Tuesday? Every day is Fat Tuesday for me. At least as far as the fat part goes. Well, because Fat Tuesday is like the day right before Ash Wednesday where you indulge in all of your uh, priors that you're going to give up for Lent, but that's your last day to like give into glut, I guess. Um, It might be a good indication for me that most days are Fat Tuesday and very few days are Lent for me. <laughs> and so uh, with, uh, with the sports desk, we... Uh, are going to talk a little bit today about an event you were at last night uh, over in Purim. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so they had a junior jacket night. First of all, Purim Yellow Jackets girls basketball beat Detroit Lakes um, pretty handily. Uh, there was going to be kind of an exciting matchup underneath with uh, Willow Thiel and Ellie Betcher of uh, uh, the Yellow Jackets and Lakers, respectively. Uh, Betcher hurt herself last week, late last week. And uh, and was out, ended up being kind of a tall task uh, for the for the Lakers. Just to have to deal with everything that the very good Perm Yellow Jackets team brings. But the cool part about the night was they called it Junior Jacket Night, where they had every single girls basketball player in the Yellow Jackets program, K through twelve, in the gym. They got really? them all together. They took a picture. Uh, it was just really cool, like an entire like an entire section of the bleachers was filled up with just nothing but the players and coaches for the girls basketball programs, K through 12. They all took a picture together. It was, it was a pretty cool moment. I thought to, to put that together and recognize um, the entire program and how fun for those little girls to be able to see, you know, a team that went to the state tournament a year ago and, a team that really has a real chance of going to the state tournament again this year is a fun time to be a, a, a young yellow jacket watching some pretty good basketball. Yeah, exactly. I think anytime a program does that, uh, it's just really cool because to, to the kid, to the high school kids, I think they're into it. I think they like being out there and doing the extra thing. Uh, but to those little kids, man, like that, that's really what starts a love of the sport. I wouldn't love the sport of basketball as much as I did if it wasn't for uh, when I was growing up in elementary school, Bertha Hewitt had some really, really good basketball teams and seeing those guys uh, and getting to do things, uh, you know, not that I did anything specifically, but when I was a fifth grader, I got to be the manager for the basketball team and get to be around those guys and see them. And it made me love the game of basketball as much as I did. And to, especially at a younger age, to be able just to even see them or get a high five from them, uh, and it's, it really can start a love of basketball or a love of whatever sport it is. So whenever a program does that, it's really, really cool. I can't recommend that everybody does it more or enough. Do you remember like who, who was your guy? Who was your guy? 
Who is I never had first. Who is your first favorite Bertha Hewitt Bears basketball player? So I, I mean, like a favorite favorite's kind of hard for me because there's a few different uh, eras of them because I don't remember. I never remembered names when I was like in, oh. uh, in like kindergarten, first second grade. That was when Bertha Hewitt like had a team that got to the that was top four in state. I believe in the 0304 season. I was a kindergartner that year, um, and. I don't really remember any names for that one. I just remember the the Gruy boys were really good. I remember uh, there was a Reaver in there. Um, I, I always remember Ryan Denny for myself in like the 07, 08 years when Berth Hugh went to state. Phenomenal basketball player there. Uh, him and his brothers are. Uh, and that, that was a really strong player. And especially uh, I remember that when uh, for my brother, who was when I was fifth grader, he was like a second grader. And they had a picture of him. They did this with the girls basketball side too. A member of the varsity team took a member of the elementary program and just did like a picture with them and they blew it up and they had it up on a poster, you know, of like them just playing basketball together and huge, huge for my brother, like in terms of his love of basketball and to motivate him to want to want to be good because he saw other people uh, do that and take just even the smallest interest in him uh, succeeding. And it's, it's super cool. So that stuff does matter, especially in small schools. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember like Chad Hankey, which doesn't mean anybody to anybody, but like that guy was, I just, I just loved watching him play basketball for Sibley East. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, before that was like Dave Kreft and Travis Quast and just all of the, I just, I, I mean, I absolutely remember those guys. <laughs> absolutely remember them. And that was one of the things I remember as I got into high school and now beyond. And like we've been talking about, hopefully it stays important for those high school kids. And they remember what it was like to be an elementary kid because I certainly remembered it and, and wanted to hopefully be someone. I wasn't that good. So as far as like being able to look up to how they played was not, I was probably not anybody's long-term idol but it was really important to me um growing up so i hoped i i whatever i just hope those high school kids remember that because remember who their favorite players were because they're somebody's favorite player it sounds so cheesy but it's true right and i was over at henning uh for they uh, about a month ago they did an event like this where all the elementary varsity autographs with the players and you know like you could be a person that goes like i don't know is that worth it this feels kind of weird if you're an adult and then all of a sudden you see just this line of kids like 20 40 like long all wanting to get all wanting to go talk to those varsity kids and go like just they don't even have a long conversation it's like one thing said back and forth and they're so excited for it and it just shows uh how important that stuff can be and if you are an adult, it's supposed to be weird because it's not for you, man. <laughs> right. It's not for you. It's supposed to be for those elementary kids. Uh, anyway, whatever. We belabored that point. I just think it's a really special night and they're fun to see. Obviously, as we've been talking about it, it's been important for us. And it's like it just means that it works uh, with that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, flipping the script, let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. They got a really uh, not a huge win yesterday, but another nice win. Well, they've won three in a row. Their lead in the Western Conference top spot is at one game. The Wolves have one more game against the Portland Trailblazers uh, before the All-Star break. And then they have a seven game homestand 
following the all-star break. Things have lined up really, really well for the Timberwolves. They've uh, had their, I know the score might not look like it, but the Wolves for the last like four minutes of the game had all their bench guys in. It was a blowout. It's their third straight blowout. Uh, and this roster has been gelling up. Uh, Anthony Edwards dropped 41 points yesterday, uh, despite being questionable to play, uh, still able to drop 41. Uh, Nikel Alexander Walker didn't maybe had like three points heading into the fourth quarter, ends up finishing the game with 18 points. Um, big time uh, with this three point game since he started the season, Corey, three of 15. I saw the stat earlier, uh, three of 15 to start the season. Since then he's averaged four threes shot per game and is shooting at like a 40% clip or his four made threes game or something like that. Like a 40% clip is where he's shooting at right now. He's been just a key piece for this team off the bench. Uh, and in that second unit for scoring, he plays great defense. He's the prototypical three and D player that you want. And it's funny, the Wolves got Mike Conley. The Wolves got Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The Wolves got some second round picks that they used to get Morris, uh, who's been coming off the bench and they got at the trade deadline to help be another three and D guy. They got that all in the trade to get D'Angelo Russell out of Minnesota. I can't tell you how much, and I know this isn't a one-for-one. One. This is, It's not a single-factor analysis. I'm not trying to throw all the blame on D'Angelo Russell, but let me let me tell you this. This has been a completely different franchise the moment that the team traded for Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and D'Angelo left the team. Yeah, it, it, whatever. You get a baby off the team, basically. You have you get adults in the room, which is something we've talked about with this Timberwolves team from uh, for years, like, like even Patrick Beverly, who was so fun. He's not really an adult in the room. He's an instigator in the room. and He was fun uh, and important, but he wasn't what they needed going forward. That's exactly right. And, you know, the thing that's nice, maybe you made this point to me earlier, or, or I read it in a text message, but with uh, Alexander Walker, what's so nice about him is if things aren't going for, for Jaden, you can, like, you're still going to get maybe not quite as good defense, but you were going to get better offense. So if McDaniel's isn't isn't rolling, like just the depth that this roster has, um, they're good. They're a good basketball team, and they show these subtle signs, right? Like they go on the road and beat Milwaukee, and they go on the road and beat the Clippers. Those aren't subtle. Those are big. Oh, this team is, this team can do it. Last night was all about the letdown. <laughs> that was all about going to a really bad Portland team and not getting up and not getting ready to play basketball, and they pounded them, which is exactly what they're supposed to do. Over and over again, all season long, the Timberwolves have been doing exactly what they're supposed to do. It's cool. Right, exactly. And there's been flub-ups here and along the way, but that happens. It's a long season, and the whole game wasn't clean, but, I mean, like in the Clippers game, when it came down to the fourth quarter, they just took care of business and they were able to do what they needed. I think they had like a 27 to six run at one point in the fourth quarter, just to kind of put the thing on ice. They're going to play Portland against, so they still have an opportunity uh, to fall into that trap game, but they've just been so good this year. And really, I think, uh, you know, Tim Conley is like, he inherited a good team when he got hired as the Timberwolves president of basketball operations. He got inherited a team that had D'Lo, that had Carl Anthony Towns, that had a rising Anthony Edwards, and that had Jaden McDaniels and, like, Nas Reed. Like, that was construction of Gerson Rosas. But Tim Conley took a team that was ascending, took a team that was good, and in a way where... 
Tom Thibodeau took over the Timberwolves after the 2016 season and took a rising team and got Jimmy Butler and, and like all that and whatever. That was what that was. Conley had a similar situation of a team with rising star. Bear, and they've now brought in Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and they brought in Kyle Anderson, and they've done all of these. It's like you talked about with the like the subtle moves. Like Obviously, the Gobert and the Conley are big moves, but it's bringing in Alexander-Walker. It's bringing in... Uh, it's bringing in Kyle Anderson. It's bringing in some of these guys who just make the team better by being adults in the room and by being around and experienced. And this is just, obviously the KG Wolves are, you know, the best team in franchise history for getting to the Western Conference Finals. But if we're talking on a pure roster construction standpoint, this has to be the deepest and best team the Wolves have ever had, right, Corey? I mean, I think probably I don't. It, that's that's too hard for me to compare because, um, because I think that that Kevin Garnett team only lost one home game all season or something ridiculous, and they made the Western Conference Finals. So right. until this Timberwolves team does that, it's it's hard for me to. It's a little more apples to oranges, but that is just my disclaimer on the point that they're really good and really deep and they have almost all the pieces. Like I still think they kind of need a shooter, right? Like right. a guard, like a guard who you can run off screens, a small four, a three or whatever, whoever that is, they've got plenty of stretch bigs who can shoot and, and, and fine. Um, that, that pickup of Morris was, was really nice. Um, but they're they're just an awesome basketball team. They're very deep. They have a lot of pieces. They have a lot of. Um, this is, might be an indi- a, a, a time when redundancy is good. Like they've got a lot of guys who can just pick piggyback off somebody else if it's not going for them. If Cat's having a weird night, Nas can go. If Rudy's having a weird night, Nas can go. If Anthony Edwards is having a weird night, Cat can pick it up and and. And and Alexander Walker's there, or maybe it's McDaniel's. It's just if McDaniel's can't guard somebody, Ant can guard somebody. Um, they've just got a lot of interchangeable pieces. That on top of the number of in depth, their depth in 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 uh, what's the word I'm I'm looking for? They're like. Um, I don't know. They're just copacetic. <laughs> There's just a lot of, there are a lot of the same types of players who can do a lot of same things that can bail each other out when one guy is off. Right. Exactly. This is a good team. I think is the, this is the big thing to take away. Uh, one last thing, Corey, before we wrap the sports desk today is the fact that pitchers and catchers report. So uh, baseball is back up until like a week later when we all go, okay, Let's wait till the first spring training game. Then we'll go baseball is back and we'll get yeah. really bored with the spring training games. And then we'll just wait for opening day come the end of March. But uh, their pitchers and catchers are practicing as we speak right now in Fort Myers. Uh, this is the mandatory report date uh, today for pitchers and catchers. Position players are on Sunday, but most of the twins young hitters have already showed up. Like they were taking batting practice yesterday on side field. So like, for all intents and purposes, the Twins are back. Like they are getting ready uh, to gear up for a season. It's been a weird off season, but they're here right now. There's a lot of discussions about TV deals and 
off seasons and trades and whatever, but now we can finally start talking a little baseball. And I guess my first question is, as everybody gets to Fort Myers, there's the, there's the Mr. Mankato for the Minnesota Vikings when they come to training camp, who is a guy, you know, in that early portion that maybe turns heads and makes people look at him that you never would have thought before, you know, an undrafted free agent, uh, a fourth round draft pick that comes out of nowhere, a quarterback that you really like, who's the, you know, who's that version of that for the twins in spring training. I've heard the sire of Fort Myers. I've heard golden grapefruits. Those are better names than I could come up with. Cause I don't have anything right now. Uh, Corey, who's somebody that's your, who's your watch list uh, for people to keep an eye out for in twin spring training, 2024. Um, when when you asked me this earlier, there were three names that that came to mind right away. None of them are are veteran guys um, because I think we expect someone like Correa to be able to handle his business, Buxton to be able to handle his business. We all know how good they can be, and a, a time like spring training, they're really going to probably show off. <laughs> That's what they're there for. Um, so there's three guys who I would be hopeful at the end of spring training. Are, are guys that we're talking about. First one, for obvious reasons, would be Matt Walner. I would love to see him just be like, oh my gosh, he's tearing the cover off the ball in ways. You know, the, the, old, the old school baseball stuff, it sounds different when he hits it. All that baloney that comes along with it. I would love to see that. Um, I would love to see um, uh, Ed Julian, or excuse me, well, Ed Julian would be a nice one also. But um, uh, Brooks Lee, I would love to see him have a huge spring. I think that will just be important to be fun to come out of spring training with like, this guy absolutely is a middle infielder of the future for this team. And then the third one, we just kind of hope for good things for him is um, uh, Jose Miranda. Just yeah. can he have a, can he have a bounce back year? Same things you would say about Walner, you would say about Miranda. He's tearing the cover off the ball. He's in shape. And um, you hope that it is authentic and not in the way that people talked about Miguel Sano. Oh, boy, you should see Miguel Sano. He's in the best shape of his entire career. I don't need I don't need pandering. I need, like, authentic excitement. It'd be fun if there was some built up around him also. So my picks, those are good picks. Uh, my picks, uh, I think, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Brooks Lee is the top prospect. He's going to get all of the, he's going to get all the hype. Walker Jenkins will probably get some hype. I don't know what his uh, spring, he's not a non-roster invitee, but he'll be around. So I'm sure there'll be some video of him somewhere doing something. Um, you know, I think for a starting pitcher, somebody who's kind of going to, for a lot of prospect junkies, they'll know who this guy is for the casual Twins fan. David Festa is probably their top starting pitching prospect that's closest to reaching the majors. Um, you know, projects as like a number two, number three starter. Uh, but, you know, if you're keeping an eye on like a homegrown pitcher, uh, David Festa is one of those guys. Uh, so he'll be making some starts and there's a potential that he makes his MLB debut at some point this season. So he'll be getting a nice little look. It'll be interesting to see uh, what he can do. Um, if you're looking at some other guys, uh, when you look at, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Michael Hellman, uh, not the mayonnaise, but, uh, he's a twins outfield prospect and he could get some play uh, a little bit as well. Uh, and Austin Martin, I think is the biggest one. Cause he of course was the headliner in the Jose Barrios trade. His prospect trajectory 
fumbled a little bit. He was a Vandy boy, a top five overall pick, um, had to deal with some injuries, but you know, still can be a productive player. He's kind of positionless right now. I uh, can play the middle infield spots and center field. Um, and he could be a guy that's potentially that Byron Buxton understudy if things go haywire at some point during the season. So this would be a good chance. And the thing about Austin Martin is his style of baseball is a little bit more slasher. It's a little bit more uh, kind of down the line and singles guy. So we'll see, you know, if he's a guy that maybe kind of gloms onto some section of the Twins fan base throughout spring training. Twins fans love that kind of baseball player. I look forward right. to rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> look forward to rooting for the next Nick Punto. Well, yeah, hopefully a little better offensively than that. Hopefully a little better offensively, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so as the Twins come to spring training, that's the big thing. Um, everybody, I think, is healthy so far. We'll see uh, how that lasts. But overall, I mean, the Twins are projected. It's not a good division, but the Twins are projected to win the American League Central. So they're... here we go. Let's go. I can't wait. Go Twins, go. I can't here wait we... to not watch them. <laughs> this has been the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, February 14th. The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and wadinaradio.com.